Okay. Today's topic in the Garden of Amuna is the topic of everyone has Amuna. Everyone has Amuna, right? Page 35. And he goes on over there to talk about what kills the experience of the Amuna that we all have is doubt. So that's what I'm going to talk about from a perspective of Hasidus. What does it mean that everyone has Amuna? So today's title was Garden of Amuna. Everyone has Amuna. Did you activate yours? So it seems to be that there is Amuna. That's a fact we're about to prove. That everyone has it. But as the saying goes, if life is a bowl of cherries, why am I in the pits? If we all have Amuna, why am I plagued with doubt? Right? You just told me I have Amuna. So why am I always doubting, always doubting, always doubting? You know, and then the epitome of doubt, if I may tell you, the epitome of doubt is to believe that God, good God, could do miracles. God does do miracles, but not for me. That is the epitome of doubt. Because here, you're a uh, apicoiris, I would say. You are a heretic with a long, long beard. Oh, I believe in God. Oh, I believe that God does miracles. But He doesn't do them for me. That's the opposite of Amunah. So, obviously, the question here is, what good is it to have a Muna if you can't connect with it, if you can't feel it, if you can't actualize it? So, first, let's talk about one of the most famous sayings. It comes from the Talmud. It's a famous uh, saying in a story that happened in Pesach, which we'll talk about in a, in a moment. And al Rebbe uses it in one, of, in one of the chapters in Tanya. And it's very simple. Every Jew is... Maminim b'nei ma'aminim. What does that mean? Believers, the children of believers. It happens in the Gemara and Pesachim. You learn Pesachim. You remember this story? Pesach Shechali is b'Shabbos. Pesach happened on Shabbos. And they asked Rabbi Gamliel, what do we do? I believe it was Rabbi Gamliel. They asked him, what do we do? And he forgot the law. He couldn't remember what the situation is. There's a problem here. Because if you have to bring everything to the Holy Temple on the 14th of Nisan, right? And there you go through the process. So there are things that you are allowed to do on Shabbos. If the Pesach says to bring a sacrifice by Mo'ado, whenever it says the word Mo'ado, we learn now that that overrules Shabbos. You bring it even on Shabbos. Now the problem is, but how are they going to bring the knives? The animals, they can just walk. So if it's just a sacrifice that they have to bring in the Holy Temple for everyone, that's not a problem. But when everyone has to come with their animal, and with their knife, and take care of the whole process, how are we going to do that? And he didn't know the answer. It was forgotten. He just didn't know. Until he turned to the sages and says, Taniyach lehem, leave them alone. Maminim b'nei maminim. They're believers, the children of believers. They'll know what to do. And sure enough, they didn't give up saktin. And they left it up to the Jews. And what they found was that all the Jews, they hung the knife on the horn or on the, the part of the animal and let the animal walk. So therefore they weren't carrying it. And that's when they realized, they saw it and they remembered the halach. So here was a halachic point of the Jews are believers, the children of believers. Maminim b'nei maminim. The Altarim in Tanya when he's explaining a very difficult concept of understanding the dichotomy of Hashem, everything is Hashem, and Hashem is everything, Hashem transcends everything, how do you put both together, the circular, the linear, and even above everything, and then the Altareb explains, 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 and then it says, but anyway, 
Jews are believers, the children of believers, and they don't need to have it logically explained to them. You tell them that Hashem is omnipotent, where these two opposites are not opposites in the face of Hashem. They both exist, coexist simultaneously and are one. And Jews, as believers, the children of believers, they don't need the logical explanation. So you see that this concept of that the Jews are believers, the children of believers, are used by our sages not just as a, you know, a eulogy, or not just when you ask about this boy for a shidduch, oh yeah, he's a believer, the child of a believer. You know, when you want to say nothing, but they have to say something, and you do something, that's not what they're doing. They're obviously being very specific. They're saying that it is something that we can rely on. So, if you're worried about what the Jews are going to do, or if you're worried how the Jews are going to deal with this dichotomy, halachically, you can rest assured, it's going to be okay. How? How are you going to understand this? Maybe they'll go cuckoo, maybe they'll leave, maybe they're fed up. No. They are believers, the children of believers. So, what we're hearing over here is that emuna is not something you have to acquire. What we're going to discuss tonight is that Amuna is something that you just need to get out of its way. We're not asking you to acquire something new. You see, knowledge is something you need to acquire. You didn't know the halacha, and if you want to know the halacha, you better go learn it. Until our sages tell us from a perspective of Jewish law that someone who could learn and didn't learn can't later say that it was bishoygig, it was unintentionally that I did this sin because I didn't know. We're going to hold you account- accountable. Why didn't you know? Why didn't you learn? So when it comes to knowledge, it's something you acquire. And you're held accountable to acquire it to the best of your capacity. That's not what we're saying about Amuna. We're not saying that, listen, you were born without Amuna, just like you were born without knowledge. Right? The Malach gave you a knip and you forgot the whole learning. Okay, so the Malach gave you a zetz and you forgot that you believe. But the bottom line is that maybe that's what happens. You are born a non-believer. And now we're telling you that we're giving you a commandment. You must become a believer. Go figure out how, go do whatever you have to do. That's not what's happening. The Jews are maminim b'nei maminim. And they never lose that. They always are maminim b'nei maminim. So actually it's a whole new interesting perspective that Amuna doesn't need to be acquired. But we need to stop getting into its way. So for a moment, let's talk about what does it mean that a Jew is a believer. From a Hasidic perspective, it's very simple. From a Hasidic perspective, your soul is a piece of God. I always mention that one of the greatest proofs that there is a God is actually an atheist. What an amazing picture of a piece of God telling God that God doesn't exist. That is the Kabbalistic formula of an atheist. He's a piece of God telling God that you don't exist. But now let's look deeper than that. Can a piece of God ever tell God that you don't exist and I don't believe in you? They tell this joke. 
forgive me for sharing with you a joke. They tell this joke about this Yid, I think I even mentioned it here once, about this Yid, Nebuch, he had to send his kid to a school, and hey, he sent him to some uh, Catholic school, and a lot of Jews, and a couple of decades ago, they went through religious, non-Jewish schools. And the kid comes home and starts talking to his dad about the ghost and the mother and the son and the this and the that. He wants to know, Tate, what's going on here? So his father said, okay, son, sit down. I want to tell you. We are Jews. We only have one God and our family doesn't believe in Him. That is what we're talking about. We're talking about that the definition of a Jew because he has an Ishama. So the Jew, when he's standing denying the existence of God, believes in God. The question is, how many layers you have to peel? You know they say this famous saying, there's no atheist in, in the trenches. What do they say in the army? In the army they say, in the, uh, there's no atheist in the trenches. By a Jew. I'm sorry? In the foxholes, fox okay. <laughs> the point over here is, that the question is how many layers do we have to rip away before, not that we will see, because we know it, but that the atheist will see that a Shinyana atheist. You know, in Chabad, I had this experience once. I had a person sitting by my Shabbos table explain to me that he's an atheist. And by the time... The Shabbos table was over. I turned around to someone next to me and I said, if every Jew was an atheist like this atheist, Mashiach would have been here long ago. <laughs> well, I don't really believe, but I believe in Israel, and I believe in the Jews, and, 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 and you know, I had a bar mitzvah, but I don't believe in God. It's more a social thing. And, and then you start peeling layers and peeling layers and peeling layers. And all of a sudden you find a believer, the son of a believer, who's telling you he's an atheist. But how are we so sure? And the reason we're so sure is because of the neshama. Now in the neshama itself there are layers. In the neshama itself there are five layers. There is the thought, speech and action, there's the emotions, there's the understanding, there's the wisdom, the will, I mean it depends how you're going to divide it, but either way you have five layers. But then at the essence layer, you see because all the lower layers can be affected by what we do. Because they are interrelated with what we do. They communicate with us and we communicate with it. So those layers, just like they have the power to influence us, by definition they have made themselves vulnerable to be stained by us. Which is why you will notice that certain levels of consciousness, sensitivities that we had as children... We don't have when we grow up. Because there's a limit to how many times you can tell your conscience to shut up before he really does at least break into a whisper. So there's a relationship between us and that side of us. If it can influence us, then it, by definition it has to be influenced by us. So those are the layers that can have moments. Those are the layers that can actually halachically justify to believe that it's going to be bad. So when we talk about those layers, even the layers of the soul, at some layer, at some level, even those layers can justify our doubts. 
we can stop backing it with Talmudic statements, back with it, back it with books of Musr, back with it, back it with verses, and if you will go, and if you won't go, what will happen? So we talk about Amunah not just in believing that there is God, but we talk about Amunah as believing that God is good and does good. There is sometimes Torah backgrounds to the lower levels of your neshama that can validate that here is a moment where Amunah is just being an optimist foolishly. I mean, what do you think? We're going to do a various and Hashem is going to just, you know, keep on sending us the lottery numbers? So, on the layer level, there is a problem. Amuna is challenged. Amuna could be challenged. Because the layers at this point are more connected with my actions than they are to do nothing more than reveal the essence. I want to say that again. That's an important point I'm making here. The layers of the soul are here to be able to express that essence which is unexpressible it should become expressed in different layers so if you want to take the essence of the soul and express it intellectually that's why there's not just one essence of the soul there's also the intellectual layer and then you want it to be able to express on an emotional level I should be able to feel, passionately feel what the essence of my soul believes in so really what's happening is the layers of the soul are actually here so that the omnipotent essence of a Jew, which is the absolute peace of God, should be able to manifest itself, enclose itself, and express itself on the will level, intellectual level, emotional level, and thought, speech, and action level. It shouldn't just be from zero to one million in six seconds. Because that leaves me out of the picture. That's the top and the bottom and the whole in-between is like, where did that go? So the real purpose of levels of the neshama is to create a complete being. A complete human being needs to have the essence, needs to have pleasure, which is connected to the essence, will, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, seven emotions, and the three garments. Thought, speech, and action. So those layers are there for no other reason than to reveal, actualize, manifest the omnipotent power of the essence of the soul. And in today's lecture, the omnipotent power we're talking about is Amuna. So if Amuna is only, I don't want to hear, don't talk to me, I believe, I believe, I believe. Sir, there's a train coming right at you. I believe, I believe, I believe. Then we have a problem. But if we can take Amuna and create a whole world of books, intellectual books, then we've taken the omnipotent Amuna and brought it into the layer of intellect. And then if we can take this intellect of the Amuna and drive it into a passion, a feeling. I believe in God. I know my belief in God. I love this God that I know and believe in. And then feelings need to express itself in thought, speech and action. So really the reason there are layers on this soul is not to hide the soul, but rather to create a full figure of the soul. Rather than just having dot, action. But because these layers are already within our reach, they have to be within our reach, because they're here to influence us. 
Well, there is no such thing as you influencing me without me being able to influence you. If you're opening yourself up to a relationship with me, where you want to know me, you want to feel me so that you can influence me, you're also now opening yourself up to be felt and known by me and influenced by me. So the lower levels of the soul that communicates to me as a human with challenges can also be affected by me, the human, with challenges. And thus now we have a whole different experience. We have the essence of the soul. We have layers that instead of doing nothing more than expressing that amuna of the neshama, it's actually being bombarded with mud, being thrown at it, of doubts, of other foreign feelings. All of a sudden fear is not about the fear of God. It's about the fear of exposure. It's about the fear of losing power. It's about the fear of dying. About the fear of poverty. All of a sudden, that beautiful emotion that God gave us called fear, which is there for no other reason than to serve as one of the two wings that connect us to God, love and fear. Instead, those wings, instead of lifting us up, they actually became the heaviest weights that rip us away. Instead of fear being the fear of God on a good, mature, healthy, holy way running through me, it's now a total different fear. And the same goes for everything else. So instead of your thought process being a beautiful set of letters through which the soul can shine into your mind, express itself through you, Instead, those letters are tainted. They're all about ego, power, desire, lust. What does all of that do to my soul? The level of the soul that's connecting to those letters, what's happening? So what's happening here is that instead of the layers allowing the essence of the soul and Amuna to express itself in the day-to-day -day business transactions that I do, knowing that I'm doing them according to Allah and therefore trusting that God will bless them. What am I doing? I hope that God's not watching so it won't get messed up. Because He's going to get even with me. I told you this joke once before. The guy went all his life to shul and at the age of 93 he stopped going to shul. The rabbi frantically thought that God forbid he's in the hospital, something happened, he's missing one day, two days, three days, a week, two weeks. He goes running to him, and there he sees Morris sitting in the house, all healthy, playing cards. He said, Morris, what happened? Why did you stop coming to shul? He said, at the age of 93, I want God to forget that I'm alive. A total different perspective. I want to just stay off his radar screen. I don't want him to hurt me. That's what happens to the thought, speech, and action that was meant to be Nothing more than to express the omnipotent amuna that I have naturally, genetically, in the essence of my soul. All of a sudden, those thought, speech, and action garments are doing nothing more than torturing, hiding, pushing away the amuna that I naturally have within me as a piece of God. So that's the challenge that we have. Because we are maminim b'nei maminim. We are believers, the children of believers. And yet, 
in this bowl of cherries, we often find ourselves in the pits. Now the question is how to actualize that amuna. Now that we understand that at the nucleus level, you have to be a believer. Because how can a piece of God not believe in God? But it's thrown under years and years of habitual bad ways of thinking. Habitual bad ways of speaking. It always starts with a joke. It always starts with a little joke of cynicism that touches upon Amuna. And it gets worse, and it gets worse. And then there's the actions, and then there's the feelings, and then there's the intellect, and there's the whole problem there. So now we understand that in the essence there is a maimin, maminim b'nei maminim. And now we understand why we don't feel it. So now we need to go to the practical process. What can I do to strengthen my amuna? Question number one. Question number two. I could have a very strong amuna buried in me. <laughs> That's not going to really help. I don't need it buried within me. So the second question is, how do I actualize? How do I reveal that amuna? The answer that I found in one of the letters of the previous Rebbe, of how to strengthen amuna, because I must tell you as a rabbi, one of the things I hated most was when people tell me, Oh rabbi, I wish I would have your amuna. Huh. It's like, what well, would you like to know in which kosher store I bought it? I'll tell you. It actually, they're selling it right. It's on sale actually. Free high holidays, they, they have a big sale on amuna. And what are you thinking? I wish I had your amuna. So how do you strengthen Amuna? How do you mechazek, strengthen Amuna? Just simply strengthen what lies hidden within you. I'm not even talking about bringing it out yet. I'm talking about strengthening it. And the answer to the previous riot that ever writes is, Limud HaToyra. Learn Torah. Believe it or not. It's not about going sky jumping, which for a long time I really wanted to do. <laughs> to overcome a fear and I believe that that thing is going to open without a hole, right? <laughs> so I really want to go skydiving for a long time and that's not the way to strengthen your amuna. You don't need to do crazy things to show that you're a believer. What you need to do is learn Torah. Just learn Torah. If you look in the books, you will find that Torah is called food of the soul. Mazon. The verse calls the Torah, Lachmi, my bread. God gave us His bread. And when you want a child to grow, you need to nurse the child. And that's one of the reasons why in Shavuos we eat Melechiks. Why do we eat milk on Shavuos? One of the famous explanations brought down in the Holy Commentaries is, because just like it's the mother's milk, that makes the limbs of the child grow, so too it is the Torah of Hashem that allows the limbs of the soul to grow, develop. So the first thing you need to know is plain and simple. Don't try to buy or download any Help Me Get Amuna books. Learn Torah. Just learn Torah. What do you have to have a human's perception of how to get Amuna? <laughs> I had a guy I used to learn Tanya with up in the Fort Lauderdale. An English guy, very nice guy, Paul. And he told me that, uh, you know, there was one time that it was playing in the, in the, I don't know, it was television or cable or whatever it was, it was playing the Ten Commandments. So his friends who knew that he was the religious one in the group said, Hey Paul, did you see the Ten Commandments? No, I read the book. <laughs> That's the point. Read the book. Read the book. 
Just read Torah, learn Torah, digest the thoughts, get the brain waves working. Feed your soul. Just go ahead and feed your soul. Learn. Learn another Pasek. Learn a Mishnah. Learn a Maimah. Learn. Just learn. And every time you learn, it's just like the baby's being nursed. The baby's going to grow when it nurses. You know, when the doctor tells you, I'm not very happy with how much weight your baby has. He tells you what to do. You need to be feeding this baby. If you feed the baby, the baby's going to get weight. It's just very simple. It's just physics. If you nurture Torah, the limbs of your soul is going to grow. So the first thing we need to do to strengthen our amuna is learn Torah. You don't need to go to buy some English version book of I don't know what. Dale Carnegie, How to Live a Worry-Free Life. It's a great book for the bathroom. But when you get out of the bathroom and you want to go ahead and do something Torah dick, just talk to your neshama, the language it knows. Sit and learn Torah. Number one. But then comes the second point. How do you actualize it? How do I have that when I finish learning in the morning a beautiful mimer that puts everything so beautiful straight and then later I leave that shul and I go out into the world and in the world I need to make a decision and that decision is very calculated but there's always a risk factor. And I really want to believe that God loves me, God protects me, and this will work out well. For some reason, the mimer that I felt blowing through my entire body in the morning didn't make it with me into that office. And now the question is, how do I actualize that God-given birthright to every Jew who has a soul, and every Jew has a soul, to be able to have a Muna. And the answer is that Al-Tarebbe, when he talks about a Muna in Tanya, Al-Tarebbe uses the word Amuna from the word Imun Yad. What does Imun Yad mean? Imun in Yiddish, they say it's called Eis Arbeten, No? How do you say Eis Arbeten in English? In English, the literal translation is to work it out. Sometimes you got to work out a hand. A shoichet, a ritual slaughterer, he can learn all the halachas. But then he's got to learn. He's got to work out his hand. He's got to know exactly the feel of how to run that knife back and forth on the angle over the rock. You need to work out a chush. You've got to work it out. So you can learn and learn and learn and learn, but actually the working out of the hand is only one thing. Repetition, repetition, repetition. There's nothing else to do. That's the way it works. You do it, you do it, you do it, you do it again. Speak to a surgeon. A surgeon, when he does his 4,000th surgery, that same surgery, his hands, is working in a box. He's, he's in a different dimension. I actually know a heart surgeon who for practice would actually put his fingers into a matchbox with a ripped open rubber band and tie it in a knot. And he told me the reason he did it is because you need to be able to do that to perform good heart surgery. You need to be able to have your fingers locked in a box and tie something together like that. So he didn't sit and Google and watch videos and do research. He stuck his fingers with a rubber band in a box and did it and did it and did it and did it. That habitual behavior 
of repetition again and again and again. And his fingers knew what to do, even when he was half asleep. Let's talk about how to actualize a Muna. You actualize a Muna from Imun. Work it out. Keep on creating new pathways in your brain. You create connections in your brain when you think that way. There's a reason why we turn to food when we're depressed. Do you know why? Because from when we were a baby, every Yiddish mama knows, if the baby's crying, you got to feed it. The pathways that the brain knows, pain equals food. It just works. It's always worked. So now we need to create a new type of brain line. We need to create a new crevice in the brain. A new connection of the neurons. We need to be able to connect that the way to think in a moment of doubt and fear is a Muna. So this isn't going to be a philosophical class. It isn't going to be a philosophical debate. It's going to be something very important. Please listen to me. A horse is not taught to respect, to understand, to feel. It's put two blinders and there's only one way to look. Why? Why don't we teach the horse not to look to the right and not to look to the left? Why can't we explain the horse? There's the road. Why are you looking there? Because it's not the way it works. The way it works is, put two blinders. Keep it moving. It's habitual pattern. And that's what the Rebbe is drilling away. And it sounds so elementary. My God, I wanted an epiphany. I wanted this amazing fast 40 days and then close your eyes with a towel when you walk in the street for another 40 days and just feel it and get sensitive and go to the mountaintops and fast and hum and pray. It's not what it's about. Imun ya, do it again, do it again, do it again. No, don't wait to feel it. Force your brain to think. You're starting to freak out, you're starting to have a panic attack, your heart, your chest is closing, your hands are sweating, oh my God, what's going on? Shh, stop. It's going to be okay. Well, how do you know? Maybe this time it's real. I'm not entertaining that thought. You didn't hear me. Let me say it again. I got to tell you something. I got six beautiful, challenging children. (laughs) And it's so amazing. You know, because... (laughs) Each of them in their own stage, but one of them is going through a terrible two-stage at the age of six. That hurts, let me tell you. But, it's amazing, because you want to scream your brains out at this kid. And I found something very interesting. If you bring your tone really down, and you say, Zippa, I told you you need to go into your room and clean up that mess. And she's excited, jumping around, and oops, she didn't even make it to the room. Zippa, please come here. Zippa, you need to go to the room and clean it up. But Daddy, can I first, can I get, but... Zippa, you need to go to the room and clean up. It's amazing that us adults are actually stronger than those little kids. Because you think they're going to wear you out. You try telling a six-year-old kid when they're trying to... Zippa, I told you, you need to go to the room and clean it up. And they're trying to get into, uh, excited, I get Tati to smile, get Tati to be mad, get Tati to scream, get Tati to just, you know what, forget it, I'll clean it up. No, 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 no. Zippa, 
You need to go to the room. It's getting to you, right, Amy? Let me tell you, it gets to my zipper too. It works like magic. <laughs> now we need to do that to our Yitzhahara. Avrami, you're not having a heart attack. It's going to be okay. Stop worrying. You just keep on doing that. Don't argue. Don't start bringing proofs. Don't stop at the closest Walgreens to put your hand in the cuff to see if your blood pressure is high. Don't. It's very simple. Just quietly, monotone, imun yad. Do it again. Repetition. That's all it is. You keep on doing it, you keep on doing it, you keep on doing it until all of a sudden you find the Yitzhahara with you, mimicking you. It's going to be okay. That's right, you got it. It's going to be okay. And then slowly but surely, it works. So, let's wrap up what we're saying here. What I'm telling you is that a fact, a halachic fact in Mesechta Psachim, a Hasidic fact in Tanya, Jews are maminim b'nei maminim. They can look at the impossible dichotomy and belief. Now, this is the essence of the Jewish soul. A piece of God which naturally believes in God. It believes in God's goodness, not just the potential goodness, the actual goodness. God is good, God does good, and God's going to do good for me. But that's covered up by layers and layers of years, of years of thinking wrong things, saying wrong things, doing wrong things, feeling wrong things, understanding things in the wrong way, wanting the wrong things. And all those layers got foggy. So yeah, by definition, if you look in the mirror, you're going to see your face. But if that mirror is filthy, you're going to see a filthy face. You won't even be able to recognize yourself. We need to clean the mirror. We need to clean those layers. And what we need to do is, number one, strengthen. Before we even want to feel it, we need to strengthen the heartbeat deep within the soul. You need to learn Torah. Guys, that is the food of the soul. That is how Emunah grows. Now, you're going to ask me, how, if I learn the laws of Lashon Hara, am I going to grow Emunah? When I was a baby, I really didn't know how my mommy's milk made my limbs grow. But it worked. It just works. For right now, don't figure it out. It just works. You eat, you get fat, unfortunately. It's just the way it works. You feed your soul, your soul's going to grow. So learn Torah. Any piece of Torah, please, in question-answer moment, don't ask me what part of Torah I should learn. I don't care. It's Torah, learn it. It works. Number two, to actualize, to actualize that power, to be able to feel it flow through your mind, your heart, your thought pattern, your speech pattern, your action pattern. To be able to sign the contract knowing I did due diligence. It's all going to work. Of course there's a risk factor. That's what business is all about. But I believe in God. I believe in God's goodness. I believe that God does good for me. The way to make that happen is Imun Yad. Emuna from the word Imun. Work it out through repetition. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. 
Every moment that you have that ugly, nasty moment, God hates me. Push it away. Don't argue. Do not argue. Do not debate. Just push it away. Tell yourself, I am so lucky. God loves me. And you know what? Because God loves me, I'm right now going to say a chapter of Tehillim. Because this relationship is so amazingly beautiful, I want to say thank you. No, it's not going to be a frantic Tehillim. Oh God, please. No, no. There's nothing frantic. God, you love me. I love that you love me. I want to say thank you. That's just, that's it. That's simple. Work it out. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Just keep on saying the words. Keep on thinking the words. Keep on doing the words. And through the imun yad, you'll be able to find out all of a sudden, one day, that it's working. It's working. Your natural reaction is to open up the door, to let the lights in. It's amazing. We all shut the window shades and kvetch that it's so dark in here. Keep on just forcing yourself to open the window shades. Yeah, we all know that Dracula can't be in the light. Well, maybe we're not Dracula. Let's start getting used to the light. Let's be okay with the light. Let's start letting it in. Just little by little, inch by inch. Don't make a whole philosophical soul-searching in Tibet. No. Just do it. Just do. Just do it and do it again. Say it. Say it again. Think it. Think it again. And the Altareba guarantees us that imun yad leads. The imun leads to amuna. Guys, that's it for tonight.